Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 Timothy 6. I spent a lot of time in Bible class growing up. I went to a very small Christian school in San Antonio, Texas, from second grade all the way through 12th grade. And each year, a core class that we would take at that Christian school was Bible class. So that's a lot of years of Bible. But there are a few specific vivid memories that I have of those classes. Obviously, there was a lot that was discussed, and I can't go through point by point everything I learned over 10 years of Bible class, but there were a few moments that stood out that now all these years later, I still remember. And one of them came from a discussion of First Timothy 6, because our teacher was basically reading the text. And showing us from uh, 1 Timothy 6, 9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so in response to saying this and basically reading this verse, there were all kinds of questions. And it usually went something like this, but uh, teacher, it's okay to want to be rich when you grow up, right? And then it's like, well, did you see verse nine? Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. But but teacher, what if I want like a really, really big, big house with like seven game rooms. Is is that wrong? Well, look at verse nine. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. If we just look at what the text says, it seems pretty clear. And so we have to notice a couple things as we approach this text. One is that I think we often try to rationalize our way into allowing the desire to be rich. Here it says the desire to be rich is a dangerous thing, but we want to say, well, but it's not, it's not really dangerous, is it? Well, no, just look at what the text says. The other thing is we often, I think, imagine ourselves to be immune from the danger. Oh, I know it's, I know it's wrong for other people to want to be rich, but I know I would handle being rich better than they do. So this doesn't really apply to me. No, it says those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. And I think another thing that complicates it for us is we all have a built in way to rationalize ourselves not being rich. When the reality is, probably most of you listening to this podcast from some digital device that could only have been dreamed of three decades ago, you are, uh, globally speaking or historically speaking, probably pretty wealthy uh, compared to most people in the world and most people in history. And while you are in these upper percentiles of that, I think all of us still have a way to rationalize by saying, well, rich people have a lot more than I do. And I'm okay with verse nine because I only want a little bit more than what I have. 
So I don't need to worry about this desire to be rich. No, we should be concerned by these strong words in the scriptures. And it is something that I think we need to navigate thoughtfully because even as we'll see in this passage, the Bible does not command every Christian to take a vow of poverty. There will be rich Christians, and that is not in and of itself a problem. But at the same time, just because of that, that doesn't mean that there are not dangers that come along with riches or the desire to be rich. And so we need to navigate this thoughtfully. And so if you're listening to this saying, well, where do I fit on this spectrum? Do I desire to be rich? And I would just say, first of all, if that is instantly pinging your conscience, you need to be sensitive to that and not just try to rationalize that away. But even if it's not, what I want to do is give you six questions to think through that will all come from different parts of 1 Timothy 6. I want you to think about these six questions to ask yourself, how am I doing with guarding myself from this dangerous desire to be rich. And the first question I want to ask you to think about is this, is godliness the most important thing to you? Do you find yourself caring more about your bank account, your portfolio, your financial wealth, or do you spend more time uh, concerned with your character? And this will show itself in, in symptoms even in your life. What do you spend more time on? Do you spend more time on managing your finances or do you spend more time pursuing the Lord and pursuing godly character? Uh, notice even it talks about contentment, which we'll get to, but it says there in verse six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So it's not just about contentment for contentment's sake, it's godliness with contentment. And then look at verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. These are the things that God's people are to pursue. We're not just to chase after riches. We are to chase after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And we are to fight the good fight of faith and follow the example of Jesus, who was faithful even to death. Even though uh, staying faithful cost him everything, he did it. He gave uh, the good confession, it says there in verse 13, before Pontius Pilate. Are you ready to say, I will follow Christ even if it costs me all of my riches. We need to make sure that godliness and really faithfulness to Christ is the most important thing on our agenda, not anything related to finances. So that's question number one. Question number two is, are you thankful for what you have? And I'm getting at that from that idea of, but godliness with contentment is a means of gain. Uh, for or is is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Is there a contentment that springs from gratitude and yields gratitude in your life? Do you find yourself being thankful for the things that God has blessed you with, even? starting with food and clothing, the things we view as the basics. Are you thankful for those things? That's question number two. And, and kind of going along with that, question number three, are you enjoying what you have? 
not just maybe begrudgingly thanking God, are you enjoying what you have? God gives instruction to rich people in this passage. It says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who provides us with everything to enjoy. Um, We should be enjoying what God has given us. And I think that's pretty much inseparable from Thanksgiving, even going back to chapter four, where he warns about false teachers who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with Thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. We should be thankful people. We should really be enjoying the things that God has given us to his glory, enjoying them as gifts from God. And so here with questions two and three, am I thankful for what I have and am I enjoying what I have? I think we also need to realize these aren't things we normally gravitate towards. We gravitate towards taking what we have for granted and expecting or wanting more. And I think we need to be very intentional as even as we go through our day, that the daily simple things that God provides, we need to be intentional to say, thank you, God, and to enjoy whatever that is as a gift from God. Question number four, are you working hard? That is God's means, as we've already seen from 2 Thessalonians, we are to work and earn our own living. And wherever we are, we are to work hard. You see that in the first uh, couple of verses, he speaks to slaves and he tells them to honor their masters. And basically, he tells believing slaves who have believing masters that instead of slacking off on the excuse that, well, they're, they're a Christian, You should serve all the better since those who benefit by their good servants are believers and beloved. He tells these slaves to do a good job, to honor their masters, and even to serve all the better uh, those who are Christians because then believers are benefiting from their service. We also see the value of hard work here in this chapter. And that's something we shouldn't lose an appetite for. That is actually part of God's good design. So if we're desire, I don't really want to work, but I want to be rich. That's not the way God ordered it. And that's not a healthy desire for us. Question number five, am I generous with what I have? That's why he goes on to tell the rich after reminding them that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. He goes on in verse 18 to say they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So there he he tells the rich to be generous. Are you generous with what you have? And that's where I would say if you consistently find yourself saying, well, I can't afford to give, remind yourself that you are most likely really one of the rich in the present age. And so if you can't find it in you to afford to give, I don't think you're thinking rightly about finances and where they come from. We should be generous people. And if there's some desire to be rich, but there's not consistent generosity in your life, you are straying from the biblical pattern. And finally, I would just ask this, am I constantly consumed with wanting more? 
right? The love of money, the desire to be rich. And this is where I think we need to be careful because I do not think it is sinful to ever buy something new, to desire a better car than the one you currently drive, or to desire uh, maybe a, a bigger house with a growing family. I don't think all of those desires are inherently wrong because there may be a time where I'm desiring something that would be more useful for my life or more useful even for my service. But that's why I worded the question, are you constantly consumed with wanting more? Yes, there may be a time where you're desiring something, but is that just the constant state of your life? Where no matter what you have, I want to better this, I want to better that, I want the new this, I want the new that. You, you need to be aware if you find yourself constantly thinking that way. So here's the six questions. Is godliness the most important thing to you? Are you thankful for what you have? Do you enjoy what you have? Are you working hard? Are you generous with what you have? And are you constantly consumed with wanting more? I hope those questions will help you apply what we see here. The other thing we need to notice is, again, like the letter started with Paul warning Timothy about false teachers, we see some um, concluding warnings on that front as well. We see him warning him about people that are craving controversy. And one thing he highlights is people that are thinking that godliness is a means of gain. Those that are using ministry for the sake of financial gain for themselves. Watch out for that. And that's something we need to watch out for today. Another thing that we would see also at the end, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Going all the way back to chapter one, we're reminded of that idea of we have a stewardship and we can't forsake the stewardship for the sake of speculation. So watch out for those who are teaching as a means just of gain for themselves. Also watch out for those that are constantly needing really something beyond what the Bible says, something more than what the Bible says. We need to guard what has been entrusted to us in the Bible. So those are a couple of warnings we also need to hear as we close up the book of 1 Timothy. But I hope this chapter has been helpful to all of us as we think through our relationship to riches. And as Paul closes out the letter to 1 Timothy, let me close it out to you. Grace be with you. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.